Games Geeks and the Parents Dilemma. Track one, introduction. Uh, I think I was seven when I got a Wii, and that was Mario Kart and Sonic. I uh, played FIFA, skateboarding games. I used to play Sims. You get to like create houses. RuneScape, adventurous and set sort of in the medieval times. Very cool. Recently, I've been into this game called Super Paper Mario. I like sporty games like FIFA 12 and Wii Sports. And there's Assassin's Creed, where you're going around Rome or Constantinople, assassinating people. Angry Birds, best thing to do in your free time, to be honest. Never really stop, it's very addictive. Probably about 12 when I got uh, an Xbox and I got Call of Duty. Everybody was playing on Call of Duty as a cult, it really is. They play them on Xboxes and Playstations, on Wiis and smartphones, on PCs and with each other over the internet. Video games are very firmly part of our children's lives. And they are for more and more of us. In 2011, UK game sales beat film and TV for the first time. The average age of the British gamer isn't somewhere in the teens as you might expect. It's about 37. My name is Angela Saini, and yes, I play the occasional game. I'm also a science writer. And in this podcast, we're going to explore some of the reasons why the subject of children playing video games is such a potent one. Hardly a week goes by without some news story warning about the health concerns and social dangers of video games. They say the sedentary nature of gaming puts children at risk of obesity. They warn how games are addictive, violent, unsociable, dangerous. There are fears about e-safety, the risks of online gaming. It's little wonder that when they're in the hands of our children, games can provoke powerful anxieties in parents, like this one. With boys, it's really, really difficult to get them to stop. When they do stop, they're quite aggressive. And actually, we have awful temper tantrums. And I find that actually what it does to me is it makes me feel incredibly negative towards the whole area of computer games. The battle over screen time is a familiar one for many parents. According to one recent report, the average young adolescent in Britain spends just over six hours per day in front of screens. However, many adults believe that video games can have huge benefits for children, so long as they are not played excessively. They are exciting worlds offering unlimited imaginative play, with huge educational and social benefits, and the capacity to improve skills like strategic thinking, cooperation and creativity. There are so many ongoing debates about the disadvantages and benefits of video games for children. It's a rich field which researchers at the Open University's Faculty of Education and Language Studies are currently exploring. So in terms of working with children and young people, I was very interested in exploring... At the Faculty's Centre for Childhood Development and Learning, qualitative researcher Dr Victoria Cooper is working on getting to the heart of the gaming experience from the child's perspective. Children and young people are now choosing to interact and engage with new technologies, um, including gaming. And it's, it's sort of presented a shift in how children appear to play and to interact. So there are a number of dilemmas and debates. And it, it's quite a rich field. And everybody seems to have an opinion on gaming. And as parents, we have opinions as researchers, educators, designers. We all have, have different opinions. And they all seem quite different and diverse. So it's very interested in exploring that. 
my research area is looking at inclusive education and inclusion and the way in which new technologies can support this. Dr Kieran Sheehy is also at the Centre for Childhood Development and Learning. I'm interested in the ways that new technologies can create affordances that allow groups of children who might previously have been excluded from certain um, activities and interactions from engaging with them. So that, that those barriers might be ones of age, it might be ones of ethnicity, it might be ones of gender, it might be due to physical impairment or having a learning difficulty. Now, each of those factors can be addressed by the use of these new technologies. Over the next few tracks, we'll be finding out more about this work at the Open University. You can also hear some first-hand accounts from a number of perspectives. It's quite hard to get a child off a game that's really into the game. Children tell it like it is. It's like pinching a lollipop off a little tiny child. It's (laughs) probably going to be impossible. Parents talk about the pluses and minuses. It's important that they are able to treat it with the respect that it needs, you know, have fun with it. But there are other things to do in life. A games designer outlines the power of this developing cultural medium. What's really exciting about the kind of teen audience is it's a hugely exciting area to be working to an audience that is so passionate about that content itself. And teachers explain why for them games go to the top or the bottom of the class. They come into school and, and we do creative writing. Some of them really have not got anything to write about. What did you do in the holidays? Well, I played on my computer. And we'll find out just what a geek is and how to tell if you have one on your hands. Nobody really knows what a geek is. They're just like someone who's quite nerdy and like glasses and like, oh, I just killed your dragon and just <laughs> like that really. And in the final track, I'll be discussing what we've heard with Victoria Cooper and Kieran Sheehy, along with psychologist Mark Griffiths and a seasoned gamer. In the next track, a games designer shares his insights into the way children play video games and how he designs them. And we hear about one vital aspect of children playing online, e-safety. The Open University. For more information, go to www.open.edu.com iTunes U.